Um, so the topic is also about about this. Um, a question: Why go to church? Uh, why go to church? Uh, in this day and age, this is a question that is uh, necessary. Uh, it's a question that's often asked, and it's a question that is continuously in our heart and also in uh, yeah in the hearts of every church core. It's every Sunday. It's again: uh, Shall I go to church or do I find a good reason to stay home? That is usually. Uh, the question that is in everybody's heart and mind. And um, sometimes we don't admit it, but uh, this is really a modern question. So why go to church? And uh, by the way, what we're doing now, this is not exactly church. Uh, it comes close to church. So the Bible also says that where two or three are gathered in my name, I will be there. So we can trust that uh, Jesus is also here, but it's not as intended for the church to be virtual. I mean, the virtual church is something of the last, what is it, maybe uh, 10, 10, 20 years, maybe a bit longer, depending on uh, the internet. Um, so, the, okay, there's a question already. Yeah, I, you know, this is bound to stir up some questions. So why go to church? It's a question. <clears throat> Praise the Lord Jesus. Uh, we sometimes struggle with our children going to church. Um, there are people who think that online church like this uh, is enough uh, for their soul to be healed, to be taken uh, into the kingdom of God, to have their salvation secured. Uh, but I think they're wrong. And I think that we should struggle to come to the physical church. That is my point. So the physical church is here behind me. Uh, there is also one that is in Norway. There is one in Sweden. There is one in every country. There is a physical church, a place where we gather ourselves with the saints of God to worship Jesus. And that place is important. We know that the function of the church is to, to build up, to build up the saints, to equip the saints. I had a little round question the other day in the Church of Holland, and there were a few fingers, and people said uh, the church is about education, about, uh, about teaching. Uh, it's about encouragement. Uh, it's about family. It's about community. It's, it's about many things. It's about worship. It's about singing. It's about hearing the word together. So these are all important functions. Really, the church is like a building. It's like a, sometimes a building under construction. We are all living stones that are put in the, in the walls of the temple. Uh, but it's it's strange for a stone to say, you know, today I'm not going to be part of this community. I'm not going to be part of this wall. I'm not sure if you've ever built a wall, but it's rare for the stones, the bricks that you put in the wall to say at some point, I'm no longer part of this wall, right? It's, 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 not, it's not usual for a stone, for a brick to be in the wall to at some point say, well, I'm, I'm just going to be in the wall virtually, or I'm just going to be in the wall every other month, or I'm just going to be part of the wall when I feel like it. That is not how a building is constructed, right? If you have a house, who has a house here? Are there any house owners? Maybe if you rent a place, you're not thinking so much about it because somebody else takes care of the house. But if you're a house owner, then you know that every brick in the house and every window and every door has its function. But the door cannot just say, well, today I'm not going to be part of the house, right? Or in your bedroom, if you have a window there, there's not going to be a day that suddenly the window says, let me go to another house. Let me stay somewhere else, but not be in this building. So this is the same way to church. Why go to church? People make the mistake of trying to invent good reasons to go to church and then act upon those good reasons. Let me illustrate this, if I can illustrate this with a couple of verses. Let's go to, I've got it here also printed. Uh, let's go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 19. Then... So then you are no longer foreigners and non-citizens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. I've, I've underlined that. That is important. That's 
I've also put it on the left side, the household of God. Watch that that phrase there. And it and it goes on to explain a little bit. Because you've been built, maybe you can say to yourself, I've been built. I'm I'm not just I'm not just purposeless, I've been built. I've been put in a wall, I've been I've been framed as a window, I've been I've been set as a door. You've been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In whom you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So the emphasis is here a lot about the kind of a construction process, a kind of a building process, whereby the saints of God are part of that whole building that is a spiritual house, that is called a temple, that is growing, that is living. That is the idea that we're getting from these verses. It's strange for a brick, it's strange for a part of the building to say, I'm not going to be in the house of God today. And, and again, before people go into the exceptions. Yes, of course, there can be exceptions. We all understand that there are exceptions. Brother Paul is not here today because he had some other business and maybe some other people could not be here. But I'm, I'm talking about your general life pattern. I'm talking about our general attitude towards church, especially maybe the young people. If they could think to themselves, what is my reason, my personal reason of going to church? The mistake that we often make is that we try to find some good reason outside ourselves to go to church. Like, we have to go to church because somebody else tells us to go to church. This is the case for many young people. They go to church because their parents take them to church. But we can accuse the young, but how about the older? How about the, ma the mature people, the adult people? Often they go on in life making up the same kind of reasons to go to church as when they would do when they were young. When they were young, maybe they were forced to go, but now something else forces them to go to church. Maybe it's the tradition. Maybe it's because they're afraid that people will talk about them. Maybe it's just the idea that they, you know, just out of habit that they go to church. There are more sinister reasons even. more, Or maybe I could say more profound reasons that have a sinister side. Maybe some people go to church just because their favorite pastor. If there is somebody today who went into this room to hear Brother Paul, that person is disappointed now because that person has to listen to me. So the reason why that person went to this place, which is some other brother speaking who is who is warming his heart or her heart who is speaking to their soul that person is no longer here so the bottom the ground has fallen out of that church going and at the moment that soul has to look for a different reason to be here and to justify this time what i'm talking about is that we should not this is a bad strategy we should not find reasons outside of the bible outside of ourselves to go to church we should this is a bit of a uh, maybe a uh, a difficult word but we should not find external reasons to go to church that is what these verses are trying to tell us we should not have somebody tell us to go to church first of all we should not go to church because we expect a certain message or a certain person or a certain atmosphere to be there. We should not go to the church because we like the building, because we like the people, nor should we not go to church because we dislike the people. Why should we go to church? The risk with finding an external reason, no matter how good, we could talk about doctrine, we could talk about that the pastor is such a good preacher. We talk about that we love our brothers and sisters so much. We talk about that we simply go out 
to church on Sunday because that's what we as Christians do. We could find all these external reasons. But what I'm asking you, if those external reasons become weaker or cease to exist, let's take an example with our children. Once we take them to church because we force them, because we educate them, because we train them to go to church, what about when they come to the age when they can make these decisions for themselves? If we are teaching them that it's an external reason they need to go to church, namely somebody telling them or some other pressing reason or some good thing happening at church, then what about when those situations fall away and they are on their own? Soon, many of our children will maybe go to university, they will go to college, they will go to a different place. And then what? They are going to look for the same kind of external reason that we taught them. And you know what? They will not find those external reasons anymore. And we all know what's going to happen. They are going to come less frequent and less frequent until they stop coming altogether. So what is the antidote for that? Well, the antidote for that is in these verses. We should stop seeking external reasons, reasons outside of ourselves, Reasons of circumstance, reasons of time, reasons of convenience, reasons of blessing even. But we should find an internal reason. We should find a reason that is deep within us. The way that is described here in the Bible is this verse here, or these words here. Members of God's household. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. That is the core reason we should realize that we go to church not because it is a schedule or it is a program or somebody forces us and not even because we expect a blessing. We should not go to church because we expect to get something. Because what about if you're not getting that? You know, people who go to church because they expect healing. What if the healing is not given? People who go to church because they expect to receive the Holy Spirit. What if you do not receive the Holy Spirit? People who expect to go to church, who want to go to church because they expect some kind of breakthrough. What if you're not getting that breakthrough? Are you still going to church? That is my question to you today. Let's do some soul searching today. Hallelujah. Maybe there are some people, God forbid, who did not come today because they already knew that there would be somebody else speaking today. I'm not condemning them, but I'm asking them do some soul searching today. What is the reason you go to church? Is the reason you go to church that some brother is preaching? Is the reason you go to church because you like the music? Is the reason you go to church that you maybe can sing a song or play an instrument? Even this is not different for the pastor. Pastor, do you go to church because you have to preach a sermon? I'm also speaking to the pastors, the ministers today. Even they might not be listening now, but maybe later. Pastor, minister, are you going to church just to do your thing. If we do that as ministers, as workers, there is a risk. There is a risk, brothers and sisters, because we make our church going depend on our ability to deliver a sermon or to sing a song or to receive a blessing. But what if we're weak? What if, what if that ability becomes less? What if that motivation becomes less? Will we then stop going to church? Will we stop going to the place where Jesus is? Because the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there. Praise the Lord Jesus. Pastor Minister, if we go to church just to deliver a Bible study or a sermon, we are not biblical. The real reason we go to church, and I just want to put this before you, and I want us to all do some soul searching if we can tune into the Spirit of God to understand this, is that we profoundly believe with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, all our strength, that we belong to the household of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. The reason we should go to church is outlined by these verses. Hallelujah. Instead of looking for an external reason, for an external ground, instead of looking for that we might get some blessing or some anointing or some prayer from some pastor or some minister, 
instead we need to find the kingdom of God. We need to find the church deep within us. Hallelujah. And that should be our motivating factor, that we are simply part of God's house. Hallelujah. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, when you put off Adam and put on Christ, some profound change came into your life, that you are no longer belonging to the family of Babel. You are no longer belonging to the family of the earthly Adam and Eve, but you have put on Christ. You've put on the heavenly nature of Jesus, and you've changed Hallelujah, profoundly. From that moment on, God considers us to be part of his family. Another word here that is meant is more focused on, mentioned here is more focused on the country, but I think this one is more profound. Members of God's household. We are of the household of God. Hallelujah. We belong there. This is our house. I'm going to ask uh, any person here. If you're a young person and you're still living at home with your parents, the moment that the moment that you, let's say, you have an argument at home with your parents, maybe over supper or over something else or not doing your homework or anything. Over that argument, are you going to pack your suitcases and leave your house? Hallelujah. I want to ask you this question. Vice versa, I want to say, does any parent have the right to send their children out of their house just over anything? Does a wife have the right to send her husband out of the house? Does a husband have the right to send the wife out of the house? Does the wife or the husband or the children have the right just to walk away from the whole thing and say, I'm no longer apart from this? Hallelujah. That would be ridiculous, right? That would be silly. You're not going to say goodbye to your mama and papa just because you don't feel like Staying in the house. You are part of that household. That is the answer. Amen. You are part of that house. Praise the Lord Jesus. In a similar way, we as bricks in the wall, as living stones in the temple of Jesus Christ, we are part of that house. That's why we go to church. That is the, that's the only real reason. And unless we understand that, and unless we've internalized and agreed within ourselves that we are of the household of God, we are going to have trouble going to church because again and again and again, we have to go to our checklist. Do I feel all right? Am I sick? Am I tired? Who is preaching today? Do I need a blessing? Do I have something else to do? And only once we have completed that checklist, the conclusion could we maybe today I can go to church because all the reasons are there. And maybe we also have a negative list. I'm not going to church when that brother is preaching. I'm not going to church when that sister is singing. I'm not going to church when that person is there. Brother, sister, don't be silly, please. Don't be foolish. Hallelujah. Don't make your decision to go to church depend on how you feel, how you think, how others think about you, how others feel about you how the church looks, how the church sings, how the church preaches. Let it only depend on one thing, that you believe with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul that you belong to God's household. That is the only reason to go to church. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. When the devil tells you to skip church or not go to that place where your brothers and sisters are, you should rebuke the devil and tell the devil, give the devil these verses and say, I am a member of God's household. I've been built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. I am joined together in that building. Praise the Lord Jesus. I am part of that holy temple of the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm built together into a dwelling place of God in the spirit. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. If that is the only reason, then even when you're in college, when you're in university, when you're young, when you're old, when you're tired, when you're active, when you feel good, when you don't feel good, you will make all the effort to come to church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Because you're not going to church for any human being because the Bible says, cursed is the man who depends on men, but blessed is the man who depends and trusts in the Lord. Hallelujah. You are going to church because you that is your house. That is your place. Hallelujah. That is your temple. Hallelujah. You're part of that. 
Praise the Lord Jesus. Let me come to let me come to a few points to clarify. Maybe I should also look at the reverse here for a moment. If we keep these verses in mind, that we are members of God's household. Maybe you can tell yourself right now, oh, why am I going to church? Tomorrow is church. Many times Sunday is the church day. Why am I going to church? I'm not going to church to see anyone or to pass any messages or to do my business or something else. I'm going to church tomorrow because I'm part of that house. Because I'm of the household of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Keep that in the back of your mind. If you remember one thing of this message, then that we have to find an internal reason, a reason deep within our soul to go to church. And the reason Jesus gives us today is that we are part of his building. We are part of his family. Hallelujah. Never forget that. You are baptized in Jesus' name. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You are of the household of God. So having established that, let's look at a couple of misunderstandings and hopefully we can clear them up. Hopefully we can clear them up today. Praise the Lord Jesus. So one misunderstanding I want to clear up right here, right now. And I've used, I'm just using this picture to illustrate it a bit. Uh, this is, you know, one of these mega churches uh, uh, in America. All these things about these big churches usually come from the U.S. Um, this is what a successful church looks like to many people in many people's eyes. But I want to state here today, and this is very important, that the church does not need success. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. The church, let me repeat it again, because sometimes we make our church going depend on whether a church is successful, whether the pastor is successful, whether there is good singing, good music, good preaching, whether there is blessing. How often do you not hear? I, I, I go to church because I'm, 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 I need something. I'm, I'm, I need a blessing. I need a feeding. And then people are disappointed because they're not getting the feeding. They're not getting the blessing. They're not getting the healing. And they start to blame church. They start to blame the, that particular church. But this is all wrong because it comes from the false, from the false starting point, from the false assumption that a church has to be successful. Hallelujah. Let's, let's dispel the notion that a church is only a church if it is successful, meaning it has a large body of people, meaning it has a very charismatic, uh, good speaker, meaning that it has all these bells and whistles, meaning that people roll over the ground every week. I want you, I want you to wean off of this, park this for a moment. Because the church is the church is the church is the church. Hallelujah. The church of Jesus Christ does not need success to be the church of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how many people are there. It doesn't matter how many people are baptized every week, every month, every year. It doesn't matter how many people are leaving or coming. Praise the Lord Jesus. As long as this is the church that is on the foundation of the apostles with Jesus, the cornerstone, meaning we believe in one God. It was mentioned before, one God, Jesus Christ. We baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ. We believe in the putting on of Christ. Hallelujah. We believe in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We believe in the death and resurrection of Christ. All these things. If that is available, hallelujah, if that is the faith of the church, if there are people there who are born again in the name of Jesus Christ, then that is the church. But the church is not defined by success. And why do I say this? Because look in the New Testament. Look in the New Testament. Look in your. We, see, we always say that the Bible is our is our foundation. Uh, but you know, sometimes I'm afraid that the world is our foundation because we look too much at other churches and we look too much at success in the world. We look too much on numbers. We look too much on flashing lights and and bells and whistles. But tell me, what church in the New Testament was successful? The Corinthians were suing each other. They were divorcing, suing each other. The fathers and sons were fighting each other. There were fractions in the church. There were divisions in the church. Do you hear the Apostle Paul speak to the church of the Corinthians? You are no longer the church of Jesus Christ because you don't have success. Do you hear that? Do you see that in the Bible? Go to the book of Revelation, the church of Smyrna, the church of Tiatira, the church of Philadelphia. The only 
the Church of Ephesus, did they have success? Did they have what we call revival? No, they had problems. They had divisions. They had some false doctrine here and there. They had brothers and sisters who were falling away. They had lukewarm people. They had, they had all kinds of things. They had many things. But they, one thing they distinctly lacked was they did not have success, brothers and sisters. And still, to this day, every church that defines itself as I'm only the church if I have success is going to fail and eventually disappear. Maybe the churches of the book of Revelation disappeared eventually because they started to define themselves in terms of success. Let's not do that anymore. Let's be cured of our yearning for success and simply go to church because we belong there. And we go to church because we are part of the household of God. Because Jesus is there. Praise the Lord Jesus. You know, the only thing that the church has to do to be successful, to use that word, the church has to be. Jesus is called the I am. When Moses asked, who, who, who shall I say that sent me? The Lord says, I am who I am. Tell them that I am sent you. Jesus is the one who was, who is, and who shall be. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. The Alpha and the Omega. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The only thing that you have to realize about the church is that the church is. Hallelujah. The church is. Amen. Can we just say that out loud for yourself? The church is. Just like Jesus is, the church is. Because the church is built on the foundation of him who calls himself I am. Hallelujah. So the church is there. Hallelujah. Whether we are dead, whether we are alive, whether we are tired, whether we are energetic, whether we are sick, whether we are healthy, whether we are many, whether we are few, the church is. Hallelujah. That is what it makes the church. The church was there from the beginning. It was there before creation. And it will be there at the end, as long as there is an earth, there will be a church. Hallelujah. The church depends on Jesus, and Jesus is the I am, so the church is. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. The second, I want to mention in the context of this, and maybe um, we can read for a minute in First Timothy uh, chapter 6. I'm just going to unshare here for a moment. Sure, I can do that. Okay. I have the verses printed here. So let's go to First Timothy and chapter six and verse twelve. Or maybe somebody can paste that first. It says, fight the good fight. Fight the good fight. Reach for eternal life, to which you're also called and have made the good confession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let me share again. Fight the good fight. If you want an analogy that works, Perhaps we should look more at this particular slide here. I'm struggling a bit with the pictures here. Let me try to move that. Yeah. Compare the church and compare your attending of church to a battlefield, to a, like here, this is a picture of World War I, soldiers in the trenches. We are soldiers. We are battling. Hallelujah. Instead of saying, I need to be entertained, I need to be blessed, I need to get something out of church, I need to, I have some business in church, I need to preach a sermon, I need to, I need to pray a few prayers, I need to sing a few songs. See the church as a perpetual battlefield where you are needed in the, in the trenches, in the lines. Hallelujah. You know what they did with soldiers that left the battlefield that left the trenches there was military police at the end of at the back of the trench 
And every soldier that would try to flee before the battle, you know, they heard the whistle, the whistle. In this case, we would say we would hear the trumpet. When they heard that, that trumpet, that whistle, it meant the sign to go out of the trench and then to go into no man's land where the bombs fell and to attack the enemy. Many were afraid. Many were tired. Like, look at this guy. Uh, he's tired. He's, you know, there is a lots of time waiting before a battle. So, but this military police would stand there with the guns and anyone who tried to flee, they would arrest as the, if they were lucky and they would shoot them if they were unlucky. See it as a battle. Going to church is a battle. Hallelujah. It's a battle against the flesh. It's a battle against Satan. It's a battle against the world. See yourself as part of these soldiers. You know, sometimes people, have you noticed, by the way, that sometimes people fall asleep in the church? Have you noticed that sometimes? And you know why that is? Because that is a second uh, misconception. The second misconception is that the church, I also want to mention this one, the church is not meant to be entertaining. The church is not meant to be entertaining. In fact, the church, you will find that churches often are boring. Maybe you'll find this sermon boring as well. I, I would say if you find this sermon boring, you've come to the right place. Because did you know that a lot of church going is a bit like this, like this fella here, who how he's feeling. I've been pastoring now since about 2006, 2007. Um, I've been officially anointed as pastor. I received my certificate in 2008. So I've, I've maybe I've, I've spent a thousand, close to a thousand Sunday services now. I cannot tell you how many times I've seen people dozing off in the pew. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I cannot tell you how many times I myself have dozed off when I was not preaching and I was sitting there. Sometimes we look at our watches. I'm not wearing a watch at the moment, but sometimes we look at our watches. When is this guy going to finish? When is this guy going to end? When is this sermon going to come to an end? Yes, I know the message now. Come on already. Finish it. I want to have lunch. Is it true or not? Hallelujah. Sometimes we blame our children. We, we say the children, they are running around. They don't have the energy. But we know that ourselves, that we are no different. It's just that we are taught. We are, as it the word is called, it's churched. We are churched. You know, we are kind of trained. We are trained little puppies, little dogs who sit in the church and we know how to behave. So that natural behavior that the children still have, they want to run around, they want to talk to their friends. We have, we have sort of learned to control that. And we call ourselves, you know, we've learned it. We are good Christians. But the, the same unrest is still in us. Look at the people, you know, they, they are chewing on their lip. They are, they're wiggling with their fingers. They are tapping with their shoes. All these things. Because the, the church is not meant to be entertaining. If you come to church to be entertained, if you come to church to be to hear that super sermon that is going to rock you to your shoes and 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 blow your socks off, that is the wrong reason to come to church. I hope you realize that. Because what if the sermon is not going to be super energetic? What if you don't feel the move of the spirit? What if you don't speak in tongues at that moment? What if you do not roll over the ground? Are you going to be bored? Are you going to not come to church? Brothers and sisters, I'm saying if you come for the spiritual entertainment to the church, you are coming for the wrong reason. Sorry to say, I have to say this, hallelujah. Except let your premise be, let your starting point be that I might get bored in the church. And I also want to speak, especially to our children here, church sometimes is going to be boring, dear children. Dear adults, we all know that church is sometimes boring, but there is a reason why it's boring. And you know what? Our whole lives are boring. <laughs> the flesh is boring. The flesh is always tired. The flesh always needs entertainment. Otherwise, it falls asleep. Maybe even you here now sitting behind your desk, your eyes are starting to fall. You're wondering if you maybe should get something to eat, something to drink. We don't see you now. You don't have your camera on. Well, we cannot see that. But you might be bored right now. But I want to tell you 
to your heart in Jesus name that this is sometimes part of the spiritual battle that we need to fight. Fight the good fight. Hallelujah. Boredom is part of being a soldier. There are long periods of boredom in the trenches before the whistle comes. And then suddenly we have to be ready. Do you remember the wise and foolish virgins? Some people mistakenly think that it is only the wise or only the foolish virgins that fell asleep. I will tell you, it's also the wise ones all fell asleep. And then when the trumpet sounded, when they shouted, the husband is coming, the bridegroom is coming, hallelujah. Then suddenly all of them awoke. But the difference was that the wise virgins, they had the oil in them. They had the oil. They had that internal reason to go to church, to go to find the bridegroom. The other ones needed an external reason. They needed to go to the sellers. They needed to go to the market. They needed to get that oil from an external source. Do you see the difference here? And in the end, they did not make it. If you, brother, sister, are still in the business of trying to find an external reason to go to God's kingdom, you might find yourself locked out of it when the battle starts, when the sign starts, when there is a shout from heaven, hallelujah, when the trumpet sounds. You might find yourself on the wrong side. Hallelujah. That's why it's important to see today your church going as a fight against the enemy, as a fight against your bored flesh. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. And go because it is your house, because it is your home, because you are part of the household of God. Hallelujah. That's the only reason. Praise the Lord Jesus. And if you keep that reason, and if that is your mentality, hallelujah, you will never skip one because you will feel sick when you don't go. You will, you will, you will feel that you are missing your blessing when you don't go. You, you will be able to. And you know what? The, the, in the trenches, do you think all these guys are friends? There will be enemies in the church. There will be a Judas in the church. There will be wolves in the church. There will be all kinds of people in the church. The church is sometimes a very broken place. But through brokenness, Jesus works. Hallelujah. Jesus was broken on the cross. He did not conquer the devil through physical strength, but he conquered the devil through the death on the cross. That is why the apostle Paul says, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Hallelujah. I'm perfected in weakness by your strength, O Lord Jesus. That is why we drag our bored bodies to church. We drag our tired bodies to church. And there we sit in the chair and our, our eyes fall and close. I, I, as, as I mentioned, I've seen dozens and dozens and, and maybe hundreds of people fall asleep in the church. In the beginning, I said, it must be me. I'm, I'm a boring person. And maybe I am. And it doesn't matter because they would fall asleep anyway. And maybe it's good that they fall asleep because maybe they, did, they do need the rest. The Bible says that Jesus is a place of peace. Jesus is a place of rest. All those are tired and heavy laden, come to me, and I will give you rest. The church is a place of rest. It's not a place of entertainment. It's not a place of music or singing or preaching. It's a place of rest. It's a place of peace. You will find peace in the church. You will not find peace in your house. You will not find peace in your work. You will not find peace in the busyness of life. But you will find peace in the church. Maybe this guy, this fellow here that you see in the picture was killed in the battle. Maybe. Maybe we'll lose our life at some point doing the work of God. Who knows? But in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to find my peace in the church. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to find my peace in the church. Because I belong in that house. I belong in that house. No brother, no sister is going to take that away from me. Hallelujah. No, no, no preacher is going to add or, re or, or, or retract from that in Jesus' name. But Jesus is going to give me. I belong. I'm, I belong to the household of God. Another misunderstanding, let me name a few and then, and then we can pray and then we can see maybe if we can change our attitude towards church and, and, and go with our hearts full of love and full of, and full of the internal, internal blessing, the fire that Jesus has put in you. Is that fire not enough? Is, that, is, your, is being born again not enough? Hallelujah. Do you need, still need a reason to go to church? Does somebody need to tell you to go to church? Does somebody need to tell Oh, this brother is preaching. Come to church. It's going to be good. It's going to be a blessing. Oh, you need to go to church because you belong to the household of God. That fire inside is burning. Hallelujah. 
Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. Even if the, if, I would say, even if everybody falls asleep in the church, it's a good church. Even if the, even, even if there's silence. In a Pentecostal church, in an apostolic church, that's the worst thing that can happen in the church. Silence. Do you feel bad? Do you feel confused? Do you feel awkward? That's good. Church sometimes is awkward. Church sometimes is uncomfortable. Church sometimes is a place where there is things we don't expect. Church is sometimes a place where things happen we don't want. Church is the place, it's a miraculous place. It's a supernatural place. It's our house. It's our heavenly home. Do you know that the building that we come together in Jesus' name is a shadow of the heavenly Jerusalem that will come from where? I'm going to ask you, from where is it coming? It's coming from heaven. It's coming from above. We are going to a supernatural place, not to a natural place, but we are, we are sort of practicing here. We are, we are telling to Jesus, we are showing to the devil, and we are saying to the Lord, we have faith in you. We have faith in Jesus. We believe that there will be a new Jerusalem. Every time we go to church, every time we go to that building, every time we fall asleep, every time we wrestle against hunger and, and, and boredom, we are giving of a signal to the darkness of this world that I am still going to church because I believe in the heavenly Jerusalem. I believe that Jesus will come back. I believe that he will come with all his angels. Hallelujah. Amen. At some point, and he is going to take me up where he is, and then I'm going to see him, hallelujah, as he is, and I'm going to see that I am kind of like him, hallelujah. That is the signal I'm giving. When I go to church, I say, Jesus, I believe in you, hallelujah. I believe that there is going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Praise the Lord Jesus. That is what I'm, that is what I'm telling Satan, and that is what I'm demonstrating to the Lord that I have that faith. Praise the Lord Jesus. I am part of the household of God. And that's why it says that the church, brothers and sisters, the church does not have to be modern. The church is not is a misconception. Hallelujah. That the church has to be some kind of modern place. I'm not saying that it's forbidden to be modern. I'm not saying that we should not have some modern elements, modern music, whatnot, instruments, uh, that we cannot take events from you know current events. I'm not saying all that. I'm just saying the church does not need it. We can be old-fashioned. Our clothes can be old-fashioned. Our building can be old-fashioned. Our presentation can be old-fashioned. Hallelujah. In this church, we, uh, we have brothers who do the preaching. Uh, we believe that uh, the sisters have a different kind of ministry. We are very old-fashioned with that. We don't go with the flow of the spirit of this world. If we make the mistake of, you know, the church, come on, the church is 2,000 years old and more. It's supposed to be old-fashioned. Hallelujah. It's supposed to be not hip. Praise the Lord Jesus. In the book of Jeremiah, it says that follow the old paths. Follow the old paths. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Follow the old path. Follow that which is from the law. Follow, you know, Jesus, Jesus is old. Jesus was from the beginning, before time began. Hallelujah. He is the ancient of days. Amen. Is he are we going to modernize the church now? Are we going to are we going to say the church has to be modernized all the time? You know, the church has been preaching the same message for 2,000 years. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Repentance, baptism in Jesus' name. The pouring out of the Holy Ghost. We've been preaching for 2,000 years that there is one God and that there is no other than He. We preach about holiness. We preach about giving your life to Christ. We preach about putting off the old man and his sins and putting on the new man who is created after righteousness. Hallelujah. We preach about... The coming of God's kingdom, hallelujah, and the restoration of all things. We've preached the same old, same old message. And if you say, well, let the church bring, let this pastor bring something new. Let him tell us something new. Do you know that your heart needs to be renewed day by day, that we forget 
the message of salvation and the message of grace day by day, that we need to be fed that same message, that we need to be reminded that we need to be filled with that same oil every day. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Every Sabbath we need again to hear the words of Jesus, to hear about the gospel, to feel the Holy Spirit working. Hallelujah. We don't need to be modern, brothers and sisters. We just need to have the same message. Hallelujah. Also, this is another one. The church does not need to be inclusive or tolerant. This is also a misunderstanding. I took this picture from the internet. This is one pastor was saying that the church needs to be so inclusive. And uh, sometimes Christians are hateful against all kinds of alternative lifestyles. I want to tell you now that there is a flip side of this. There is a flip side of this because Jesus never came to to feel proud or, or, or make people, people feel proud about sin. He came to defeat sin, brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Just as the modern lifestyle is making people sick, um, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, uh, this you know also that in the last day perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own self, convetious, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Jesus came for sinners. Let's never forget that Jesus came with a message of grace and a message of love. But on the other hand, he did not come to encourage the sinners to feel good about themselves. But he came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to bring us a gospel of repentance and of the new birth. Hallelujah. He came to defeat the sin in us, not through punishment, not through judgment, but through his love and his sacrifice on the cross. That should be the message. So if we say, we have to be inclusive. Let it be inclusive in the sense of that everybody is a sinner and everybody needs to repent and everybody is in need of forgiveness and the love of Jesus Christ. But let's not use the church and let's not use Jesus to wash over our sins, to celebrate our sins, to justify our sins. We, Jesus did not come to earth to look away from sin. Praise the Lord Jesus. But Jesus came to forgive our sin. Hallelujah. If there is no sin, then there is nothing to forgive. If we are not sinners, then Jesus does not have to come into our lives. But it's because we are sinners that we need him. And it is because there is sin. We don't have to hate people. We, we should not point at people or groups and say, you are the worst person or you are extra bad. No, we are all sinners and in the need of the grace of God. But let not say that we don't need forgiveness for sin of, or certain lifestyles are not sinful because Jesus died on the cross so that all these debaucheries and sins can be forgiven and we can be born again. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 8 verse 3 says that for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh, in his own flesh. Hallelujah. In his own flesh, he condemned sin. Praise the Lord Jesus. We should feel a profound um, love, a profound blessing. If you, for instance, if we look at the verses in Isaiah chapter 53. How can, how can we say that, how can we say that we don't have to name and talk about certain sin if there are verses like this in the bible surely he had borne our griefs this is isaiah 53 4 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows yet we did esteem him stricken smitten of god and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed hallelujah we are not healed by the stripes of the marks of this world. We are not healed by calling ourselves inclusive and tolerant, but we are healed because Jesus took all our sins on, upon, on himself. Hallelujah. And if we repent of our sins and acknowledge them, then the grace of God is in our life. 
Praise the Lord Jesus. That is the message of the church. One final misunderstanding. Also that the church does not need to justify itself. Brothers and sisters, how many times do I not hear people say, we want evidence, we want, how do we know the Bible is true? How do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? How do we know that this is no, not all made up, that it's not all fantasy? And then we try to bend over backwards to justify. But let me say once again, we don't need to justify to anyone, not to family, not to colleagues, not to friends, not to anyone in their house, not to anyone in our past, not to anyone in our future, why we go to church. Hallelujah. We don't need a justification. We don't need a justification for our faith. We don't need the justification for our Bible. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. We just need to follow the words of the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible makes it clear that if we take a step of obedience and we trust Jesus, then he is going to work in our life through his own spirit. Praise the Lord Jesus. The gospel and the blessings of the gospel work in a unique way. What I'm, I was saying that we are in a supernatural place. Um, when we are in a supernatural place, it means that sometimes this place um, can look different than we expect. Sometimes it could be that our flesh is bored. Sometimes we could feel resistance against a certain message. Sometimes we feel that the message is too harsh. Sometimes we feel that it might not be inclusive. Sometimes we feel that it might be old-fashioned. But all these things have a purpose. Sometimes we might feel that we have no grounds to believe a certain thing, or sometimes doubt may creep into our hearts. But this is exactly why we go to church. We go to church with our sins, with our struggles, with our doubts, with our fears, to lay them at the feet of Jesus Christ. And we believe that when we are in church, that a supernatural process occurs that is called the grace of God, that is called the spirit of Jesus Christ, that when we are, there's some, something strange happens, that when we put our faith into the scriptures and, and, and into the words of the Lord, then what the Bible calls the comforter will come. Hallelujah. Something strange will happen. Jesus says, I will pray to the Father and he shall give you another comforter that may he may abide with you forever. Praise the Lord Jesus. And then he says in verse 26 of John 14, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Brothers and sisters, we do not operate by theological evidence or biblical evidence or textual evidence alone. We operate by the Spirit, by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. If we go to church and we put our faith in the words of Christ, even though we might not have evidence, even though we might not have the full proof, and we go to church, the Lord promises something there. He says that where two or three are gathered, I will be there. The question is, how is he there? The answer is, he is there as the comforter. He is there as the Holy Spirit. And he is then going to work with our dead flesh. Praise the Lord Jesus. The church does not need to justify. When we go out in the street and we preach the gospel, we don't go into debate. Uh, we don't go and prove the Bible. We don't go. Uh, sometimes it's interesting to exchange these viewpoints, but this is not the basis. This is not the foundation. We believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We believe that there are good arguments from the Bible, etc., etc. But that is not ultimately what we are going to do. We are going to give the gospel because the gospel have, has power to transform from darkness to light, from death to life. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come out, he was not just reading a verse from a text. But he was speaking in the power. Hallelujah. He was speaking with the power of God. Amen. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And this is what happens when we go to church. When we go to church, our dead flesh is going to get a beating from the word of God. 
our bored flesh is going to get a beating. Some people need to sit in church and they need to sit on a hard bench and they need to endure their bored flesh until their flesh is dead. Hallelujah. Some people who are tired need to be in church and sleep so long that, that eventually the sleep leaves their body and they are awake again. Hallelujah. They are, they are, well, they're not woke, but they're awake. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Some people need to, need to go to church and are offended and offended and offended until finally they overcome their offense by the grace of the Lord and they find that love again. Some people need to go to church and be bitter and bitter and bitter and hateful and bitter and hateful until the Lord Jesus Christ sends his love through the Spirit, hallelujah, and finally the heavens open and they see the signs of the Son of God and the glory of his angels, hallelujah. Because that's only what happens in the church. That does not happen outside of the church generally. Hallelujah. That happens in the church. Jesus, we need to go to church. Hallelujah. Why do we need to go to church? Amen. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let's, let's have a different attitude from today to church. Hallelujah. You know that the church needs people to worship? Hallelujah. Let's come with a worshipful attitude. Psalm 100 may help for those who have a difficulty uh, feeling something in the church. Sometimes I hear yes, but I'm I'm not feeling it. I'm not I'm not hearing it. I'm not I don't hear Jesus talk to me. I don't see Jesus. I don't feel it. I say be patient. Hallelujah. Maybe you are there, so your dead flesh first needs to be bored. And then when you're finally bored of the boredom, you start looking at maybe Psalm 100 or you start looking at other options. You start to see Jesus. You start to see that supernatural work. The church is a place where Jesus is working. You don't see it. You don't hear it. Often you don't feel it, but he's working. Hallelujah. He's circumcising our flesh. He's doing something in the spirit. I believe that. Hallelujah. I believe that. And then when we finally have that internalized and we have that internal reason, that fire that burns inside that says you are of the household of God, then we go to church with the faith that Jesus is working on us. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. When the brother or the sister falls asleep in the church, I say, God bless you. While you are sleeping, the Lord Jesus is doing something to you. He's working on, he's working on that heart. Hallelujah. When you are trying to be rebellious and you feel that rebellion in the church, you feel resistance. Jesus is doing something with that rebellion, something with that resistance. Today, many brothers and sisters are rebellious in the church. Rebellion is like witchcraft, the Bible says. You need to be healed of that witchcraft. The Lord Jesus needs to expel and exterminate that witchcraft. He needs to grab the 666 out of you and, and, and throw it into the flames of hell. It needs to heal you. And that healing happens in church. That healing happens where two or three are gathered in my name. Rejoice for the Lord, all the earth. Hallelujah. Serve the Lord with joy. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. He made us, not us. His people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with a praise offering. His courts with a hymn. Praise him. Praise his name. For the Lord, he is good. His kindness is eternal. His loyalty from generation to generation. Praise the Lord Jesus. Then the transformation comes and we come to the church with our sin, with our boredom, with our yearn for modernity, for action, for entertainment. But then we are reminded again, ah, the church is not a movie theater. The church is not a restaurant where I can choose from the menu. The church is the place where Jesus beats on my flesh, works on my bitter emotion, works on my rebellious mindset, works maybe on an unsaved soul to bring that to Christ. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. Let the church be the church, brothers and sisters. Let Jesus be Jesus. Let Jesus do his work. Jesus' work does not depend on your or my mood. He does not depend on this sermon. He does not depend on the, the quality of our prayers. He does not depend on the zeal of our worship. But let's bring ourselves at least into his presence. Let's go there, two or three, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's be worshipers. Let's go there and expect supernatural things. Because... We receive life in church. Hallelujah. That's what this slide, I hope you're still seeing the slide. Maybe maybe you were looking at a blank screen all the time. I've not shared it. Yes, maybe yes, somebody... yes, yes, brother. We can see it. Yeah, that, that would have been a kind of a humorous that people would have looked at a blank slide and be bored, but that would have reinforced the message for today. In church... Hallelujah. When we are bored or not, when we are sleeping or not, whether the preacher has 
a well-prepared message. You know, there are some preachers, they are just charismatic. They, you, nothing can beat them. But we should not go to church for that. We should go to church because we receive life. We receive life in church. Jesus is there. Hallelujah. That is the reason. Amen. Because Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. Hallelujah. And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is the true food and my blood is the true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. This happens in church, brothers and sisters. This happens when we are together. This happens when we fall asleep. This happens when we are looking at our watch when it is lunchtime. Let the preacher take his time. Let the preacher preach. Let, 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 take your bitter heart to church. Take your unbelieving mind to church. Take your rebellious mindset to church. Take your uncontrollable children to church. Take them. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. And then expect life. Expect, hallelujah, that something will happen to your heart week by week, day by day, year by year. Hallelujah. God is going to do something. Hallelujah. Regardless of what happens in church. Let me conclude saying, hallelujah, that what the church needs really is Jesus Christ. We need Jesus to be there. And because we are of the household of God, we can be sure and we can rest assured, hallelujah, that Jesus is in the church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. He is that he is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end. Whatever we feel or do or believe or not believe, Jesus is Jesus. Jesus has built the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Hallelujah. Our boredom will not prevail. Our good or bad singing or preaching will not prevail. Let the church be the church. Let the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Hallelujah. The cornerstone is Jesus. Hallelujah. The cornerstone is Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hallelujah. That is what Jesus said. Hallelujah. Do you think, hallelujah, that the, the church needs our modernity? The church needs our inclusion. The church needs our whatever we can bring. Hallelujah. The church needs one thing. The church needs Jesus Christ. When Jesus is there, hallelujah, when the word of God is there, when one God is there, when people can be baptized in Jesus' name, amen, when they hear the gospel there, then it means it's a church. Praise the Lord Jesus. Secondly, the church needs those who hold on. Hallelujah. I want to give this message for those who expect that they need to get something from the church each week. They make a list and they say, I need healing this week. I need that. I need my, my needs met. I need to be fed. I'm not fed. I need to be fed. I need my problems to be solved. I need my children to be entertained, educated, this and that. No, that is not what church is for. You are going for the wrong reasons to the church. You are being almost like, you are being like, almost like an unbeliever. You are being like a pagan. You're, you're being like Esau who wants to eat his lentils in church. No, go to church simply because you are a soldier, because you hold on, because that is your house. Hallelujah. Some people may have rebellious children. But I'm going to ask you, are you going to send your children out of your house? Are you going to denounce your children because they are difficult to handle, because they sometimes challenge you? I say it's good that our children challenge us sometimes. It is good that they ask questions. It is good because sometimes we become lazy. We fall asleep at the wheel. Hallelujah. And we realize that sometimes we need to be challenged. We need, hallelujah, we need some of those comfort zones to be challenged in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. But we're not going to send our children out of the church. We're not going to demonize anyone. Hallelujah. Who left the church just because that makes us feel better. We go to church as a soldier. Put on your kit. Take your rifle. The Bible calls it the whole armor of God. Go in the trench. Yeah, sometimes you fall asleep. Sometimes you feel tired. Sometimes you don't feel like worship. Sometimes you feel like you're lost. But that is supposed to be a battle. That is supposed to be the fight. Fight the good fight. Hallelujah. Fight a good fight. Hallelujah. Reaching forward, forgetting what is back. Hallelujah. We cannot take our whole history to church. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. We have to hold on. Amen. We have to keep on fighting. Hallelujah. Fight a good fight. Amen. Take your body to church so it can be pounded by the word of God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. And finally, 
And this is a wonderful way to close this message, I think. That is my personal meaning. You can disagree with me. Uh, that is my personal opinion. Is that eventually, eventually, once all this is over, there will be a moment. There will be a time. There will be a sound from heaven. There will be a wonderful light. Hallelujah. There will be a time. There will be a day. As you see that day approaching, the Bible says, let's not neglect church, but let's go to church as we see the day approaching, the Bible says in Hebrew 10. There is going to be a moment that, the, that Jesus will take the church of those who have held on, who have gone to church to worship Jesus, who have not looked for modernity or ecstatic signs and wonders, but who has simply held on. He is going to take them to the place where he is. Hallelujah. We are going to meet him where he is. He is going to take the church up. Hallelujah. Not down. Uh, not to the left, not to the right. He's going to take the whole church up where he is in the sky, in heaven. Hallelujah. And then we will see him face to face. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. One day there will be no more boredom. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more bitterness. There will be no more doubt. There will be no more fear. Hallelujah. But we will be with the Lord in the new Jerusalem because Jesus needs the church. He wants the church to be with him. He wants to bless the church. He doesn't want to destroy you. He doesn't want to throw you out of church. He wants to keep you in. Hallelujah. He wants to bless you. He wants to give you grace. He wants to save you. Hallelujah. That is why ultimately this is our house. Hallelujah. Let's go to our house tomorrow. Let's, let's realize that we are of the household of God. That is the reason I don't have any justification. I don't need to justify, brothers and sisters, why I'm living in my own house. Hallelujah. I don't need to justify when I turn the key of my, the door of my own house to go in. I don't need to explain anyone why I'm eating in my own kitchen. Hallelujah. I don't need to sell my house when I'm bored. Hallelujah. I don't need to pack my suitcases when my house is, does not have the latest fashion trend. But I know one thing. I'm baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. I belong to the household of God, and so do you. And that is the reason why we are in church tomorrow. God bless you. Back to you, Brother Simon. Praise the Lord Jesus.